Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. And we're on. Yeah, so we were invited back again, Bob. Yeah. To my great surprise. Who invited us? <laughs> you did. Uh, well, in spite of uh, all manners of decency, what geometry, religion, yeah. <laughs> we got the invitation. Today's back September nineteenth, nine nineteen nineteen. That's right. I saw that when I wrote it down. I, you know, I, again, my discharge date from the Navy was five five fifty five. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't remember when I went in, but... Uh, but do you remember when you got out? I remember when... You better believe I remember <laughs> when I got out. I wanted to say something about the grip. I'm going to go back to the grip hat. I was, I was sort of giving up on it. But I think the people who supported grip get rid of incumbent politicians, and people still do that. But I think we are a, a, a proud elite group right now that we should celebrate, and I'm sure you do the same, mm-hmm. the same thing. Uh, what was the old Marine recruiting commercial? The few, the brave, the the few, the proud, the proud. Yeah, the that's brave, it. Yeah. So everybody, hang few, on the to proud, your grip the proud, the jerseys. Yes. I uh, a story here. This is great news for parents. Something that you always wanted if you were a parent. How many? How many? How much time have you lost uh, from calm or even from sleep, worrying about the kids? Uh, are they learning something? The in other words. The behavior of the kids, as regards the uh, uh, oh, in the moral in the school system values, no, the oh. the values okay. that that you teach them at home, and you feel responsible. And when your kid messes up, does something, you kind of feel guilty. Oh, about it's it. a reflection on it's a you. Reflection. What did I do yeah, wrong? Right. Why didn't I do that? I'm mm-hmm. responsible. Now it finally, at last, it, you are no longer responsible for your children. Really? Yeah. So you can forget it. It's not your business. Now, I say that, I think I mentioned this last week, but I want to get into a little more uh, detail about it because I think it's very significant. There was a school in California, in fact, several schools, who issued uh, a 79-questionnaire, 79-question questionnaire, and it was to children ages 6 to 8 years old. Now, remember, this is a, 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 an elementary school, 6 to 8 years old. Among the questions... Many regarding their sex life. <laughs> wow. So, uh, wait, wait, honest to Six here. to eight years old, that's probably kindergarten to maybe second grade. Yeah, right. Now, here, and, and the kids had to fill this out. It was mandatory with a lot of other questions, too, regarding social issues by and large. Okay. Uh, they said, how many times a day do you think about sex? Do you think about, how, how often do you think about touching other people's private parts? What? I mean, now, wh- that's a couple of questions, yeah. and there were more. Now, where, where is this uh, In California. Oh, God. Well, where else would it be? Oh, for no, th- this is true. Now, obviously, this got some pushback. Yeah. And uh, so. there were, uh, it, it got to court. A group took it to court of parents and concerned people. And the lower courts in California all said, no, this is, pro- this is fine. They wanted it stopped, the questionnaire. So it got up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, those lovable, madcap scamps. Uh, Now, the ruling was by the Court of Appeals that the schools could continue with this because, and I quote, education is not only about reading and math and science, but education serves a higher civil and social function, including the raising of children into responsible adults. 
So they're saying in effect here that it is the state's responsibility to see that your children become responsible adults, not yours. So I say it's it's terrible news for the country for the future, yeah. but it's good news for parents because you can always say, it's not my fault. It sounds, know, like, sounds uh, like child abuse you know, when, to when me. The, yeah, when the police come to the door, <laughs> go, go down and check it out with... Uh, uh, with the authorities. And, and do parents, what, by and large, know that these that their children are being questioned? Or oh yes. Well, that was that was the point. Right. The parents, the parents were were horrified. Right. Horrified. Well, you know who? I mean, I don't understand uh, or, or don't know the whole story, but there are apparently in California parents who are having their children mutilated, changing the sex when they're what three years old. Mm -hmm. It must be because this is what this uh, television host who had just whom I don't know had just gotten up to a higher program uh, and he was about to start and uh, a more prestigious television program and I think he got shot out of it because he had said that that pro practice is ridiculous. Hmm, right. uh, so I thought that parents would be very happy to learn this. Yeah, I'm not surprised by it. Hmm. You got two things working here. Oh, one was Bernie Sanders, the presidential candidate and his educational plan mm -hmm. is to eliminate all non-public education, which means that the state, through the school system, would control all the, oh. all education and indoctrination. Now, I, I don't know if he's dealing, uh, he's going so he's to eliminate parochial So he's talking about getting rid of all parochial yeah. and charter? Well, I, I don't know, uh, parochial, that might be a little touchy, but all certainly charter in private schools. Goodness. That'd be nothing. Uh, you asked one time, just before we left here, what did I think that was the future of education? Well, the future of education is whatever the political future is. Right. It goes hand in hand. It goes hand right. in yeah. hand. Because this was the whole purpose of education, mass public education, was to prepare children for the culture, right. to participate, to become productive members of the culture. Now, of course, we're sort of still working at a system that was instituted during the uh, Industrial Revolution that turns out good, good factory workers. Uh, and maybe they're getting back to that because for a while they were teaching science and math and things <laughs> when all originally they were intended to just teach how, which end of the wrench to use at the assembly line. <laughs> so, uh, what else? Uh, go on. Oh, you were mentioning uh, Governor Murphy and the, his drive to get licenses for well, illegals. Apparently the governor had a hissy fit about we're so stupid it's a no-brainer to give people in the country illegally driver's licenses. Uh, you got two forces working here. I have a lot of ambivalence about this because we, we, we berate the illegal aliens and or any other term you want to use, people in the country illegally without any documentation proving who they are. Uh, a lot of these people we meet I've had them working at my house. <laughs> They're great people. Right. I would prefer them <laughs> way over some of the indigenous citizenry that I, that I run into. Uh, on the other hand, you do have people of lesser right. uh, what moral compunctions. But what's legal? Legal. And ha but, Has the governor even discussed or thought about what this is doing to or could do to insurance rates, auto insurance rates? Well, the governor and others seem to feel that this is going to be peachy keen for them because these people are all now, all of a sudden, they're going to go out and get car insurance. And they're going to become responsible drivers, and they're going to pay all the taxes involved in it, and they are going to uh, all get insurance. Hmm. Now, if that's not a pipe dream, I never heard one. Well, what, 
if, if you're doing all right now without a license, why would you need a license? That's well, you'd have to ask the governor that question. Right. Uh, yeah. He's the only person in the state who could possibly answer right. it. On the other hand, uh, there is something in people that the progressives just do not understand or have forgotten. There's something sort of bred into us. Maybe that goes back to our early training by parents who actually could and did try to steer their kids. That is repulsed by law-breaking because we are taught respect for the law, keep the law, and this is why we have the whole so-called correction system yes. is for people who don't. And so, therefore, that means that the law is of some importance and rules and following those. And the fact that people are number one in the country illegally and performing illegal activities of one kind or another, uh, it goes against the grain. Mm -hmm. And so I think you've got these two forces working against one another. One is there obviously are certain areas of uh, productivity. See, what ha what's happening here now? After the Industrial Revolution, in order to maintain a, a sound financial uh, footing for a country, in order to, for the country to thrive, you needed a very large, docile workforce. Right. And this started off uh, women, child labor, slave labor before that. Well, let's go back to the very beginning, the, the most awful one of the bunch. It required slave labor. And this is back to the last part of the latter, uh, the uh, 19th century, yeah. when uh, the uh, the whole country is just booming. Uh, the South, of course, mostly agriculture, right. manufacturing agriculture. And they needed products. everybody to work, no yeah. matter what your status. And so, so here you had, uh, but these has to be a, a cheap and docile labor force. I'm sorry. You go back in England, look at the pictures they had of the old big mills they had over there, yeah. and all of these people, the miners and everything. And every people of seven years old would be out going down on a mine right. digging. But you needed a large, to make this system work, you needed a very large and docile people who would just take it and go along with it right. first. So you had slaves who had no choice. Then you had the very poor. Then you had this huge wave of, wave of immigrants in this country. Uh, but what happened was that all of a sudden these people eventually get what I guess the uh, industrialists would consider to be uppity if they want to get paid. <laughs> and so you get the unions forming and everything. But, uh, but you have this large workforce and so because of this rise of the condition of this large workforce, they're no longer that docile and sit back and take anything. They organize and they sort of fight back. The sheep growl back at the wolves. And so, and I'm not trying to knock the system, but this is just the way the system works. Yeah. And so, you're getting to the point that in order to keep this whole system going, this whole wheel turning, you have to have, again, another cheap, docile workforce. Well, there you got it, in the, uh, the immigrants coming in, the people coming in. They all seem to be working, those who want to. Right. So uh, Plenty of work out there. So, so the, the fact is that the system requires this kind of a workforce. We no longer had it. We had people who were just determined that they were not going to work. Uh, we're going to sit life out and live on the government uh, programs of one kind or another. Or people who wanted a share of the, of, of the profits from this. So we can't have that. So what we have to do is open the borders. Yeah. That's theory. That's not a conspiracy theory, but I, th I think it's, there's some truth in that. Bert's got a uh, comment there. Okay, they only want them here so they can eventually get their votes. That's right, Bert. That, that's certainly part of the package, too. You're absolutely correct. Because every person who comes into the country 
illegally, the Democrats see a Democratic vote. Because you see right now they're getting the reputation of supporting them and they're going to come up with programs. Uh, and also pretty soon, it won't be long until they're voting. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody got his foot over on this side of the river gets to vote. And you can see that now in this huge expansion of the mail-in ballots. Oh, yeah. Which, which is a good convenient that, yeah. idea. But on the other hand, it is so rife and so open for corruption that this, of course, is why they want it. Maybe that's the reason why they don't have online voting. I mean, you would think that in this day and age that there would be some sort of secure way to vote online. I don't think there's any secure way to vote ultimately if even, even the authority person? and the powers do not want it. Well, look at this way. It's going online. It's probably controlled by Google or Facebook yeah. or, or one of the carriers, Yahoo. And look what they're doing now. They're censoring out uh, any comment that is inappropriate, not inappropriate to, to their political to their, view, their, right, their, their, their views, political right. view. So it would be very easy for them to squelch votes. And most of us don't know enough about this system. You know, I, I had mentioned one time, I had this bright idea, let's go beyond grip, get rid of incumbent politicians, let's get rid of all politicians by simply having all this voting done electronically. Now, they can. Get, uh, my idea was that they would do depth interviews with eligible voters, find out all kind of information about them, and then predict the way they might vote. <laughs> mm. And then if you register already, your vote is pretty much set. Now, that sounded wacky, but it has been done. There was a uh, program on uh, uh, Netflix, and it was called The Great Hack. And it is how this company, which ended up kind of getting hooted out of the business, although they didn't do anything illegal, a company in England, had actually gotten all of this information from social media. Hmm. They, they, they mined it from Facebook, Google, Yahoo, uh, you know, everybody, and then put these profiles together. And then they used this in swing districts in the American election in 2016. And they found out that in this they could predict that on the on the fence voters who had not committed they could influence them very easy and they knew which voters were on the fence because they had collected all this information then they load their content with pro one party or the other propaganda and, right, and right. propaganda against the other party and they found out that actually it uh, it worked there were some swing districts that became in this case Republican that actually, according to this program now, that actually tip the vote of your industrial states. The Pennsylvania, what was it? Ohio. Uh, Ohio and Mich Michigan. Uh, and Michigan, yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, it's here. Interesting. Okay, Edward says, mailing is wrong. If you can't get out and vote, it's not important to you. That's agreed. He's got a point. There might I mean, be exceptions. Armed forces, this people is, stationed right, overseas. Right, because this has gone uh, mail, vote by mail has gone even a step further. This is more than just an absentee ballot, like you just said. If mm. somebody's out of the country, mm -hmm. they're on uh, maneuvers, or they're you know in the military, and they cannot physically get to the polls. This is not somebody who's doing a night shift somewhere that you know just can't make it because of their job. Yeah. That's. Yeah, you're Somebody right. who doesn't it, want to get off their butt, as, right. Ed, as Edward suggested. Absolutely, Ed. Yep. You know, remember in South Africa when the, uh, the people first got the vote, they lined up in very bad weather, pouring rain, wind, 
for miles. And this is within the last, what, 20, 30 yeah. years? Yeah. I would say certainly within with Mandela, that, within right? that with framework. Mandela era, and yeah. people do it. You see these pictures in countries where people suddenly get the vote, or where suddenly the vote might be honest for the first time right. in their memory, and they line up and they'll stand there for, I mean, the lines are longer than lining up to buy the new Apple gimmick. Yes. Or, uh, you know, going to see some adenoidal rock concert yeah, to try right. to get in. So, uh, so much going on here. Speaking of California, I, see, I, I'm a little leery about this, but it was, a, it was an idea. Picture this a fantasy. Uh, starting off with reality, we're told in San Francisco the streets are loaded with human debris. Awful. You've seen homelessness. Those. Yes. Yeah. It's running. Well, it, it's a home, it's a coalition of the very unfortunate and the very demented. Many of these people have problems, and once some do-gooder, it became politically correct to open up institutions and say this is cruel and unusual to put people who are mentally aberrant in these care facilities where they got good care. Generally speaking, let them out, put them out, and this was an absolute disaster because it was unfair. Right. It was what, uh, I guess, uh, psychosis shaming or mm. you know whatever the heck. Uh, but anyway, the streets out there are full of them, right. we're told. And the streets, it's hard to walk around because of human waste. Los Angeles uh, pretty much getting the same way, but yeah. San Francisco is no, definitely the poster is, child. On it that. is the aim of this governor, apparently, to Californianize New Jersey, to make us just like California. Well, he started out as the mayor of San Francisco. Who? Uh, the governor of, are you talking about Oh, no, governor? governor of New Jersey. Oh, because oh, the, the mayor of San Francisco, former mayor of San Francisco, is now the governor of oh, California. Oh, oh, that, yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. ask me who. I forgot their New governor. Newsom, I believe. It was always a brown for 100 years. Right. <laughs> no, but, but back to our governor, you're saying. Yeah, back to our governor. And, and of course, his uh, co-ideologist, they would like to bring pretty much uh, the California uh, the California management Californification the, of Calif New Jersey Californification of New Jersey last couple of syllables there sound like something yeah, else somebody <laughs> did an album on that a couple of years ago oh really ago. yeah I think all right well uh, good anyway uh, and so if, if pooping in the streets and, 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 and tinkling and everything is going to be in the future I would say after I got over my first revulsion my thought was Holy cow, at last, what I've always wanted to do. I'm going to go down and crap on the steps of the state house. <laughs> and not get... Uh, and not get shamed. And nobody, right. nobody will dare point a finger and say, yeah. Right. So uh, anyway, hmm. uh, what, what else is going on politically in the state of New Jersey? Uh, uh, Tony Bucco passed away. A oh, he did? Time Senator Tony yeah, Bucco, oh. uh, suddenly heart attack. He was 81. He, he was having some health concerns uh, leading up to this, uh -huh. but it was a sudden passing. Nice man. Got to meet him at, uh, he was our representative, our state senator from oh, our district. Yeah, and uh, yeah. his son is the assemblyman, uh, uh -huh. Anthony Bucco. So he took his junior. son into the family business. Right. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, Tony uh, passed away after he was 81, uh, heart attack. And, you know, he was, he was a voice of reason up there. He did a lot of good for the uh, Morris County area that he served. Yeah. You know, just staying in the sort of the political vein here oh i did we i, did, I don't think we mentioned this last week sleaze bob our uh our, oh uh, Spies, sleaze bob square pants <laughs> uh, <you> know, senator <laughs> menendez uh one of the two clowns who are a state or our senators from new jersey and here's what is 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 rather ironic he is pushing what care for flying dogs 
Oh, oh remember that? Oh, uh, yeah, the, we meant to get somehow that, oh, the helicopter. To be sure that dogs who fly in helicopters don't fall out, I guess, is the thing. Oh, with the uh, the sightseeing helicopters? Yeah, and yeah. You, you, what's he so, want to prohibit uh, Yeah, now how dogs? many are there regarding or in relationship to the population? How many, you know, the helicopter uh, view people who will take a dog? You've probably got some little white dust bunny thing right, in, yeah. in, their, in their lap. But you're not talking so about he's, he's all excited. He and Senator Schumer are terrified that one of these dogs is going to fall out. <laughs> they haven't done it. And that's his priority. Yeah. Yeah. Now, also, he's having a war on beach umbrellas. Right. Yep, One person, I think, got hit, and it was certainly not a fatal hit, by a beach umbrella. Right. Now, here we go, the world. All things going on in this country, falling apart, the brink of, of certainly civil cold war, and economic problems. We're talking about these poor people out on the streets and everything. A war right now about to break out, and this could be a huge one in the Middle East, yes. because the, uh, Saudi Arabia has to... They has to fight back against Iran, who destroyed half their oil production. Right. What else are you going to do? These are problems, and what are they worried about? Is somebody's dog falling out of a helicopter? These you know, are these are not even first world problems. You know what? Uh, remind me. Remember Les Nesman and the turkeys? <laughs> of course. Yo, WKRP Cincinnati. Yeah, the the big uh, the, this, Thanksgiving promotion. Yeah, Thanksgiving promotion. They were going to drop turkeys out of a helicopter. <laughs> and and by golly, they did. And they did. And but he, the turkeys, they were live turkeys. And the turkeys just plummeted and fell. And Les Nesman, uh, Les Nesman the newsman, he's, he's he did a parody when he saw this happening. He did a parody of, of that the, famous speech at the Hindenburg. The Hindenburg thing. Oh, oh the my. humanity, my God. Oh, a turkey just fell in somebody's <laughs> and, and, windshield. And his outline, the last line of the show was, on my word before God, I didn't know turkeys couldn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's get back to Jason wanted to talk about the vote. People don't vote because they feel both parties are in the same right. Twiddle-dum, twiddle-dee. Uh, the independent vote doesn't get a fair shake. Half the voting population are registered independents. More than half. Jason, I think, in New Jersey, I am. I was registered to the Democratic Party mm -hmm. until they started <laughs> transforming into something mm -hmm. entirely different. Right. So I changed mine back. Uh, but the problem here, we have become a one-party state. I mean, yeah. I was talking to Bill this morning. Who is the, the number one Republican Well, this the is state? the problem. Republicans have not produced a charismatic and this is what it's all about, really. It's who's, you know, who, who's the handsomest, comes out best with the ladies at the focus group and the like. We haven't had one since Governor Kane. And that's a long, now, long time. Now, Governor Christie had two things when he, a uh, Republican, became elected governor. Under normal circumstances, there's no possible way. Number one, though, is that he had gotten a lot of good publicity being the U.S. attorney right. and cracking down on crime. Number two is, it is my considered opinion, John Corzine didn't really want to be elected. He didn't really fight for it very hard. He told me one time, sitting conversation just like this, uh, you know, I said, how are you enjoying the job being governor? He said, well, yeah, but I said, I really, what I really miss is being in finance. That's what I really like. I, I love finance. And so when the time came around to renew this, he played the game, Yeah. but I don't think he really had his heart in yeah. the campaign. That's so, and also money is playing. Uh, Eric Scott and I used to surmise that Jim McGreevy would be the last middle-class governor of New Jersey because money, you take the Corzine, uh, Chris Christie was not a poor man, right. but not in, not in that league, so won't count him. And on the current governor, who right. of course, 
you buy the nomination by certainly cozying up to and paying off the county chairman, and they, of course, turn out the faithful at the polls. And that's and the way it's the overwhelmingly world. That's Democratic. the way it's gone. But you're so, right that McGreevy, Governor McGreevy was probably the last homegrown middle class governor. I, and I don't seen. count Governor Cody, who would be, and who was one of my favorite governors. But in he New was Jersey. appointed. Unfortunately, he got he was appointed. Well, he he succeeded McGreevy. Right. But he did a great job as governor. He should have been elected governor. He had the highest approval ratings of any governor in the polls ever taken. He would have but hands down. But Corzine came in with the money. And so Shame. the popular, uh, certainly, sentiment was for Dick Cody, but had it been given a chance. But uh, it turned out that he didn't have that chance because the Pauls wanted the money. You see, the more money that the candidate can put up, the less they have to spend in party money. And, of course, yes. that goes, you know. And that's got to go 21 <laughs> ways. Uh, some more count, Some more to uh, other counties than others, right? George says... Turkeys can fly, just not very well. Yeah, they need a couple more thousand feet of Hey, George, let me tell altitude. you something. George, I don't know if you're familiar with Ambrose Bierce. He was an American writer from San Francisco. He used to be a columnist. He wrote a book called The Devil's Dictionary, and he had definitions of things. One of the definitions was from an of an ostrich. And uh, as George has suggested, Ambrose Bierce defined a, a, an ostrich as a large bird uh, the absence of a working set of wings is of no inconvenience to an ostrich because he doesn't fly anyway. <laughs> well, leave that out. Well, oh, uh, gosh, you know, I, I came in this morning and I, and I uh, Lou, uh, Hockman. Ho Lou, well, uh, Lou Hockman, our, our producer here, had uh, sent me a list of the stories that were getting all the right. attention. Mm -hmm. One was this great uh, jewing down flap, I guess you could call it. Oh, over in the, the uh, council in Trenton, right. in Trenton, in which a uh, member of the council at some sort of a meeting had talked to a person who apparently had reduced the price of something. I don't know, this is generally how right. it works. And this person made sort of a humorous content, he or she thought, I'm not sure who, I think it was a lady, if I'm not mistaken, but mm -hmm. I don't know. And she just made this you know, smiling comment and said, oh, well, sorry that they had to Jew you down. Hmm. Now, that is a, a, a that's statement. A very old, that's, that's an old it's term. It's an old yeah. cliche. Yeah. So the question comes up, is that anti-Semitic? My take is, it, yes, and it's low-level anti-Semitic. This is not to say that I would use it, although I'm certain I have. I have also, in time, referred to a, a chaos as a Chinese fire drill. <laughs> Right. Although the Chinese are the best behaved people in the world. <laughs> but that, that got into play, and we generally try to lay off stuff like that, and that's okay. That's no problem. But so far as the Jewing down, uh, it goes with a stereotype, an ancient stereotype, that the Jewish people are what parsimonious, mm -hmm. and they will try to get your price down. Well, that is simply part of a culture that is not just theirs alone. But it goes by Merchant of Venice, the play, Shakespeare's play. You get Shylock. You get these, these figures who are what stereotypical of the fact that uh, if you're dealing with a Jewish person, he's going to try to cut the price down. It doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, it certainly was not intended to somehow destroy or offend a whole ethnic or disparage group. So I would say, yes, it is anti-Semitic, but it's... It, it's a, it, if there's such a thing as an innocent area of it, 
So my suggestion is, you know, the one good thing, it got the expression out in the public, so don't use it. Yeah. There's other things that, that, you could, that you can use. Life is a verbal minefield now. Well, you walk, everybody has to walk on eggshells. Yes. No, I, I, I would say the Jewish people certainly did not rise up, you know, on something about it. I think they understand that. Yeah. And these are big people. They've been around. And that's not the worst thing in the world that, you know, certainly has ever happened. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's a minefield. It, and you walk on eggshells because everybody wants to be offended. Because since the dawn of political correctness, we find out that if you are a victim, everybody wants to be a victim. Everybody you get special privileges, or you can, oh, that's right. and you, you can get, even get stuff. You get all the attention. Stuff. You, yeah. you, you, <laughs> Government stuff. Oh, that, I mentioned this last week. I, I don't know. Uh, I got to do it again because I thought it was great. There was a poll taken among a big number of college students about their political leanings. It turns out that most college students, very high percentage, lean toward the Democratic Party platform and would certainly vote that way and they were asked which uh, form of government do you support or prefer and they would have democracy republic uh, uh, socialism socialism well communism socialism was mentioned of course socialism 30 some percent said socialism they preferred socialism when they asked them why very large percentage of them said believe it or not that's because they encourage socializing, you know, people having fun. <laughs> Talking to people. And, and the, know, that was a large, and another large percentage, <laughs> practically closing out the percentile, said, well, if they have socialism, they give you free stuff. Yes. <laughs> so this is how our enlightened generation in, in college uh, is... Uh, I'm not surprised, uh, buddy. I'm okay, surprised. We're, we're running down here. And uh, I, so many... Someday I've got to do my fair play for Colonel Sanders thing. Well, do you got time to do it now? I don't know. We, you, we you have look time. At, you we look, have time. Do we have time? Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. we got another couple Look minutes, around so, here. Yeah, huh? We have time. Well, how come Lou is holding the door open and pointing? Oh, I think he's got lunch. He just wants <laughs> to... Yeah, we got time. You want to go on? Dan wants to right, uh, Dan, you want to hear about Colonel yeah. Sanders? Yeah. Right, well, the reason I do this, you've seen the commercials now for the, the product. And the, the, they have this total horse's backside dressed as the colonel, purporting to be Colonel Sanders. He's a caricature of yeah, the real caricature. colonel. A caricature. Yeah. Colonel Sanders, and, and I do this to some extent because I knew Colonel Sanders when he was first starting, just by accident. I was working at a radio station. I was going to college in Salem, Virginia, Roanoke College. And... Uh, Colonel Sand, I was working for a radio station. Our sales manager was acting as an advertising director for a couple of restaurants. A man named, I think his name was Leonard Cohen, Lindy's Restaurants at the time down there, just purely local. And uh, he said, yeah, you want to come over? There's an old guy coming in. He's going to cook chicken, and he's trying to get it installed here in the restaurants. And, uh, you know, he's going to cook some up, so come on over. So I did. You have never tasted chicken like Colonel <laughs> Sanders cooked. Did he, did he it use was the, different. the pressure cookers? Or? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, it was pressure cooked, but I can't tell you because it was secret. He had a white Ford station wagon. In the back were about a dozen uh, burlap sacks full of his secret ingredients that he made for the batter. And, uh, he, and the chicken parts were actual chicken parts. <laughs> the product now is God knows what. Yeah. And back in those days, if you wanted to get cut-up chicken parts, put it together, it would do everything but fly, you know, it would look like a chicken. This, I, God knows what you'd get if you put these parts together. But anyway, 
Uh, I met Colonel Sanders, got to spend some time with him, and he was a delightful uh, and a very impressive man. He was in his 70s at the time, and of course he wore the, the Kentucky mm -hmm. thing. And one thing he insisted for his advertising, he said, any advertising, any picture, I want all my chicken served in this bucket. It has to have my mug on it. I want my <laughs> mug on it. And I know he was death on smoking. A couple of us smoked at the time, and uh, he, he didn't put up with that. But here, let me give you something of his background. This is, this is, I'll try to get through this. Colonel Sanders, Harlan Sanders, born down in Kentucky, he had to look out and support his family. He started helping support his family from the age of seven. Now, this was tough times. He worked as a farmhand when he was 10 years old. He Then he graduated, when he was a little older, to horse carriage painting. He was a streetcar conductor, I think in Louisville, but I'm not sure exactly where. He worked as a blacksmith for the Southern Railroad. He was a locomotive fireman. And all this crammed into a lifetime. Uh, he got a law degree through the LaSalle University Extension, which I guess mm -hmm. was the, the Philadelphia? Yes. Uh, I guess mm -hmm. the Extension yes, course. So. He, uh, he, he studied law. He practiced law, but he got disbarred for beating up the opposing attorney one time during a dispute <laughs> in, in sum up. <laughs> yeah, he's good at fisticuffs, too. He sold life insurance. He was operated a ferry boat one time. He was the Secretary of Chamber, uh, Chamber of Commerce in Columbus, Ohio. He was a Michelin tire salesman. He opened the first Esso station, Esso cell, uh, Shell station, in, uh, in his state. Wow. And let's see, uh, there's more than that. He, oh, uh, oh, he was listed, he, he, he had this filling station, I mean, yeah, which actually garage, but he had a little restaurant on the side. It's kind of like now you fill up your car and you run in and get your pork rinds and RC colas, you know, whatever the hustle. So he was one of But the he actually was serving people this chicken. And he got listed on the Duncan Hines, which was the big authority on dining at the time, top ten small <laughs> eating places in the country. Wow. The stuff was so good. Now, uh, he, uh, oh, he also was mentioned in a, in a book called Adventures in Good Eating. So after all of these jobs, he settled down and sort of out of desperation, there was an available filling station in town, and he got it started and started this, but the, and he sold some gas, but also this restaurant sort of blossomed. And that's how he uh, sort of got into this. Then it was suggested that, uh, suggested that he, uh, you know, franchise this out. Yeah. And the first place he got actually was in Salt Lake City, of all places. Uh, somebody, there had somebody there had passed through and gotten some of his chicken and says, hey, I got some restaurants up here, why don't you come up and put it in? It was hugely successful. So then he got back, he got on the road, this is how I met him. And he was traveling around making this chicken. And it was absolutely, you know, out of this world, and he made it. Then this restaurant, they bought it, Lenny's bought it. Then it was bought out by, uh, it, uh, it went to Gino's. That's where they got yeah, big. Okay. Remember Gino's? Yes. Gino Marchetti and Alan Amici, the two. They brought in the hamburger Running back. Hamburger uh, line on the, with that. So well, it was Gino's restaurants chicken. were forerunners of, I guess, well, KFC existed at the time. Yes. But uh, it was more like Burger King, I think, in their menu. And yes, all. yes. But Gino's was very big on the East Coast. Right. And it so. Is. He eventually, and again traveling around with his station wagon and going into these restaurants and cooking for the help, 
and letting them decide whether they'd sell the product or not. Well, of course, it exploded, it boomed, yeah. and uh, was very successful. But I, I often feel you know, very bad when I happen, before I can get to the mute button to cut these the oh, commercials these off, commercials, yeah. because here was a man of, of such a, ability and, and such, a, such a really fine person. Yeah. And have him depict it as a horse's ass is just—it uh, yeah. bothers me. Well, I know okay. you're not. Well, I know you're not um, a big fast food guy. I mean, I think you said last one time that you haven't had a Big Mac since 1973. You remember that? Oh, I remember that. That's the last fast food I had. I had a Big Mac. I was in Seattle working at the time, and I got a Big Mac. It was absolutely delicious. And so I said, "Uh-uh, this is like <laughs> shooting up with something," you know, for some people. <laughs> Given my predilections toward addictions <laughs> but uh but colonel sanders i wonder what he would say today with the chicken uh restaurant wars going on between chick-fil-a and now uh oh, popeyes. popeyes they got that big chicken sandwich thing going on where you know one's better than the other and one <laughs> sold out i think popeyes right. sold out of their chicken so they they're out of stock until like the middle of next month and then uh, now KFC I don't know if you heard this KFC is coming up with this new invention chicken patty surrounded by glazed donut excuse me <laughs> do you believe that can you believe that? a what yes chicken patty and this is gonna be in a test market they're they're they're, they're trying for the next thing Chicken patty surrounded by two glazed donuts. And so, the, we so, have, the, so the donuts would and, serve and as so the so we bun. have 60% of the American population so obese, they are either are or are going to become diabetic and other diseases. You're shortening the lifespan. The lifespan of Americans is actually going down. Uh, and here... <laughs> well, you see, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm a sort of a disciplined eater, really. I, I eat very good stuff, uh, you know, organic. I'm sort of a vegetarian who does eat meat when the spirit moves me to do so. I eat a lot of fish. But, and I go into a market, and you see the stuff that people are loading into these carts, like they're going on an Arctic expedition. <laughs> and, yes. and, uh, and I expect a you know, dog sled out in the parking lot. You know, they're going to go people to the People are pole. stocking up. You go stocking to some of these up. wholesale places? My yeah. God. And the biggest aisles in the market that I go mm -hmm. to, which is pretty typical of them, Sodas on one side, which is nothing but sugar water, right. and snacks, chips, and, and the like on the other side of yeah. the aisle, cookies and all going all the way mm -hmm. down. Now, somebody is buying this in spite of the fact that all evidence is right. and this is going to take years off your life. And every news story you know, from here for the last 10 years telling you that most of that stuff is bad for you, yeah. especially in excess. Well, people don't buy it. Hmm. Well, I don't know if anybody bought anything we talked about today. Time for lunch. But it's time for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're having. Yeah. What are you having for lunch? Uh, probably a, a protein bar. Just, just, and, just a, that? and a banana. Well, now, look at the ingredients on your protein bar. It's probably going to be half sugar. You're probably right. I, no, Maybe I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen There are some that aren't. Maybe I'll have two bananas instead. Instead that of would, two bananas go, would be very I'll good. I'll go without the protein. A lot of potassium. Bar. You'll sleep better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your, your tummy will thank you yes. for it. How about you? Huh? What are you going to have? What I go. Oh, you home, got your free fruit here. 
It's well, free I got, fruit I got day. Fruit it's the free fruit fit day. Is from it just the Ewing? Thursday they do? Uh, no, every, every day. Yeah. Uh, Ewing Diner comes Yeah, in. I will have fruit. I will have, I think, a bowl of a bean mixture that I make okay. with all kind of beans and vegetables in there. And I also make a mix of rice and black uh, quinoa okay. that I have it over that. <laughs> then the Twinkies. No, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't do that. I won't do that. Okay. Yeah, but I, I live largely on, on a salad. But, I, you know, I like it. I, You've I, lived it, healthy it, all of these years. Well, you God know, I've always, you. once when I was in the Navy, I think salt, and, and this has done me well. One time when I was in the Navy, the uh, food in the mess hall was so salty I quit eating any. Mm. You know, I'd either scrape it off or I wouldn't yeah. put anything. And so I sort of got an aversion to that. Most prepared foods, you, you, it's oversalted anyway, so well, you, you shouldn't the, even have a salt shaker on your table. The really. basic thing is that I do not eat prepared food. Yeah. I'm 5'10", I weigh 163 pounds, and uh, yesterday, I've got to tell you this, or in the last couple of days, this has been absolutely incredible. I moved... 63, because that was on the flat, 63 50-pound bags of marble chips. Wow. Carried them to the garden, opened up, spread them out. Then I had ordered 100 of these Belgian blocks, 30-pound granite blocks, made a 90-foot garden border, ordered four tons of red gravels, and spread them. That's in, that's in two day, three days. Wow. So you get a little exercise. I'd say along so. With I'm that. getting tired just listening to this. Well, it's fun, really. It's, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. That's, that's amazing. You now, are... I'll probably go out of here and fall over no, before, oh, I get, <laughs> before I get to the door. Uh, so. See you next time. Okay, good. Thanks. Right. Thanks, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Hearts back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast.